This morning we're finishing up our sermon series uh, called The Voice, where we've been looking at different passages of Scripture where God speaks to us or we hear God's voice in different ways. And today we're finishing with uh, a passage from the book of the Acts of the Apostles, Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 9. But before I read that to you, I invite you to bow your heads and join me in prayer. Gracious and loving God, we come to you now with open hearts, hopeful to hear your word. We pray by the grace of your spirit that the words we hear and the thoughts of our hearts will lead us to your will for all of us as your church and for each of us as your children. Dear God, we love you. We thank you for your love. Amen. So again, Acts chapter 9, beginning with the first verse. Meanwhile, Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any who belonged to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he was going along and approaching Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He asked, who are you, Lord? And the reply came, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless because they heard the voice but saw no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. For three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So when I was growing up, you could tell where someone went to church by the type of language, the type of vocabulary that they used. For instance, if someone came up to me and asked me if I was an evangelical, I knew they probably didn't go to my church. Because in my mind as a child, an evangelical was someone that I saw on TV, someone like Jim and Tammy Faye Baker who preached a sermon and then asked for money after uh, the sermon was over. It was later that I learned evangelical means someone who, who shares the message, the good news of God. And so in that regard, I would say, yes, we all should be evangelicals. Or if someone came up to me and asked me if I was charismatic, I would say, well, no, they probably don't go to our church. Because in my mind, a charismatic was someone who danced in the aisles and spoke in tongues and and did all kinds of things that Presbyterians aren't comfortable doing when we come to church. But later I learned the word charismatic means really just the gifts of grace that come from God. And all of us have gifts of grace that come from God. And so... In many ways, we should be considered charismatic as well because we have gifts from God. Now, the word that we used in the Presbyterian church that seemed unique to us for whatever reason was the word called. We talked about how we were called by God. We've been talking about that, how we hear that voice of God over the past couple of weeks. We talked about how we were called by God in our Presbyterian church. In fact, the the motto or the theme of my church growing up was a Christ-called community community. 
we all talked about, different ways that we were called by God. And yet, if you ask people in the pews, they might say, no, I'm not really called by God. That's something that ministers uh, experience, experience this call and this direction of going in and serving the church. Or that's what missionaries experience. They are called by God and given direction to go and serve God in particular ways. Maybe one of the reasons why we as Presbyterians, or maybe Christians even today, say that they don't really experience God's calling is because of passages like the one that I read this morning. Because very few of us have experienced experiences like Paul did on the road to Damascus. And if that's what calling is, most of us would say, no, no, I haven't been called like that. Paul, as you know, was a Pharisee before he became a Christian, and, and, and he really went out and persecuted Christians for their faith. He believed in the law, he followed the law, and wanted other people to follow the law as well. He believed he was being very faithful to God, and so he would go around and find Christians who were abandoning the things that the Jewish law taught, and he would persecute them, throw them in jail, and sometimes even have them killed. And in fact, that's what happens in our passage this morning. He knows, he's heard that there are a group of Christians in Damascus, and he wants to go and bring them back to Jerusalem and put them in jail. And on the road to Damascus, something amazing happens. A bright light flashes before him that basically causes him to fall on the ground. And he hears this voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Get up and go into the town, and when you get there, I'll tell you what to do next. A very dramatic, a very powerful experience right there on the road where Paul is given a very clear direction of what to do next. Well, I dare say most of us, and even most ministers, haven't experienced something quite like that. And so, naturally, we would say, no, I'm, I'm not really called But this morning, I want you to hear me say something loud and clear. Each and every one of you are called by God. Each and every one of you, whether you know it or not, are called by God. Maybe you haven't experienced what Paul experienced, but each and every one of you as Presbyterians, we firmly believe that God calls us. And God calls us in two particular ways. In fact, you hear me say it every single morning, when, every single Sunday when I read the Scripture. God calls all of us together as a church, and God calls each of us individually as God's children. You may not have known it was happening, but just a few minutes ago, we experienced God calling us all together as a church when Eliana was baptized In that moment, we remember that booming voice from the sky that God says, this is my child, this is the one that I love, and we remember that every time we experience a baptism, but we also remember that God is calling us together as a family, calling Eliana to be a part of this family, calling all of us to be a part of her family and to share our faith with her, to help her grow in the faith, and not only that, but to share that faith with the world. That's why we call ourselves the body of Christ, because even now we are called to do the things that Jesus Christ did when Jesus Christ walked the earth. Share grace with people in need. Share healing with people in need. Share God's love with people in need. That's what the body of Christ is called to do together. Each and every one of us, all of us together, 
are called to do that because we were baptized. And just as God calls out to us and calls us beloved when we're baptized, Jesus Christ calls us when we're baptized to be the body of Christ. As John Buchanan, the great, great preacher, describes the church, he says, the church is this, you see the hungry fed, the naked clothed, see the children welcomed and celebrated and nurtured, and the elderly honored and cared for, see the sick visited and the dying comforted, see people who have little in common and may not even know one another, may not even like one another for that matter, sitting together confessing their flaws and failures together, breaking bread and drinking wine together, affirming their faith and their hope together for the world and for themselves, the church. That's who we are called to be, and each and every one of you are called together to live this life as the body of Christ together. Maybe that's something that we can all get behind. After all, look where you are this morning, right here together with us. But it's that second way that maybe we have a little more difficulty with, that particular way. How am I called individually as God's child? How am I called individually as God's disciple? Because all of us are called in one big way to be Christians, to be disciples, but each of us are called individually to serve God using our own gifts, those our own talents, and our own experience to share God in particular ways. And those ways may be different for people in the church. And maybe you might say, well, I haven't experienced that quite yet. I don't know exactly what that is yet. Even though I have heard that I'm supposed to be called, I haven't experienced how I particularly am called to serve God. And that's where I think this passage about Paul can be helpful. Because maybe one of the reasons why we have not heard that call from God yet is because our focus, our ears, and our eyes are not on the right things. That's exactly what happens to Paul. Paul is struck blind in the middle of the road, and I dare say it's because Paul needed to be struck blind in the middle of the road. Because his eyes had been focused on the wrong things, on, on persecuting Christians rather than worshiping and celebrating God. And maybe, just maybe, we as Christians coming to church each day will hear God's call to us if we are willing to step out of our comfort zone and allow our eyes to be opened. Let me give you an example of that. There's a great story that Barbara Brown Taylor tells about her own life. She had gone to, to serve in Africa for three weeks, in fact, and so she had to put everything that she was going to need in a backpack that she would carry on her back for three weeks. And so she packed what clothes she could get in there, what essentials that she needed to take care of herself for three weeks, and for three weeks she traveled all over Africa and had an amazing experience. But it's when she got home that her eyes were opened. She got home and, and walked in her big house and saw all that she had, and she said, why do I need all these rooms in my house? She walked in and looked at her closet and said, why do I need all these clothes in my closet? She looked in her kitchen and saw all the dishes in her cabinets, and she said, why do I need all of these dishes in her cabinets? She had just been and survived for three weeks having a very meaningful, powerful experience and she had none of that with her. It was in that moment 
that experience of going on this trip that her eyes were opened. And she realized maybe she was called to live a little bit differently. Here at Faith Presbyterian Church, one of my greatest hopes for you is that you have opportunities where your eyes are opened. Because it's in those moments when we push ourselves, when we step out of our comfort zones, when we reach out to people who are different than us and our eyes are opened, that then we might see and hear who God is calling us to be. Maybe you go on a mission trip and you realize that that's not something you just want to do one week of the year, but that you want to do that right here in Tallahassee. And so when you come home, you serve at a local shelter or serve at Manna or serve in some other way. Maybe you've been in one of our task force where you've had some really difficult conversations, some conflictual conversation, but that conversation has made you stronger. It's opened your eyes and made you see there are other ways that you can serve people in our community. Maybe you've come to a Sunday school class and you realize how precious and important those lessons are that you teach those children. And so it's called you to not only be a Sunday school teacher, but maybe a school teacher or maybe a parent or maybe a better father or mother or husband or wife. You've had experiences here where you've worshipped or you've read the Bible or you've had conversation and fellowship. And hopefully those things have pushed you outside of your comfort zone so you start to feel this little burning in your heart and you realize maybe just maybe God has something different for me to do sometimes we have started to feel that maybe some of you have even felt that but in the midst of feeling that you start to realize that in order to take that leap of faith you have to get over a lot of obstacles that are in your way. And so it's then, again, that looking back at what Paul went through is helpful to us. Because there are times when we not only need our eyes to be opened to new possibilities and new things in the world, but we need our eyes to be closed to our fears and our obstacles that stop us. Paul was struck blind because he needed to be struck blind. He needed to have those obstacles in front of him that stopped him from changing his life. He needed those things to be well blinded so that he could focus maybe on what was important. I've shared to do this story before. One of the people that I got to meet in my life that really is one of the most inspirational people, a woman named Eula Hall. I've told you about her before. She was a woman I met when I was traveling through eastern Kentucky, coal mining area of Kentucky. She had grown up in this little tiny town, and, and because her, school, her town did not have a high school, she stopped school at 8th grade, never got past 8th grade. But she lived in her little town and loved her little town. And that town not only didn't have a high school, but it didn't have a hospital. It didn't have a doctor. It didn't really even have nurses. And so if people wanted to go and get health care, they had to leave their little town and go somewhere else. And she slowly watched as people all throughout her town slowly got sick and slowly got suffering and dying. And so one day she decided this can't continue. And so she reached out to some of those doctors in neighboring towns and asked them if they would come once a week to her town and, and serve the people in need there. And she slowly got people to come and volunteer their time. She eventually raised money and built a little shack there right there on the side of a creek in the middle of a hollow in eastern Kentucky. And there people would come and line up at the shack just to get their, their checkups and, and get their blood pressure checked and all those sorts of things. 
Well, eventually, that little shack, believe it or not, tragically burned down, but she didn't let that stop her. She got the phone company to put a phone on a tree out in the middle of nowhere. And she continued to have people come and get their health checked up right there on the side of a creek bed. She raised money, hundreds of thousands of dollars, to build a new clinic there. She even went to Washington, D.C. To, to lobby for more money so that she could help the little people right there in her hometown in need. I had the joy of getting the chance to hear this story from her and meet her, and we as seminarians all asked her the same question. How in the world could you do this with all that you had to overcome? And her answer was still inspirational to me. She said, at first I saw the same things you all saw. I wasn't smart enough. I wasn't man enough. I didn't have enough money. Everybody was against me. I started looking at all those reasons why I shouldn't do it. But then at some point something changed in me and I started looking at those reasons why I should. Those reasons that I learned in Sunday school. Do unto others. Love your neighbor. And so that's why I kept going. She started becoming blind to the reasons why she shouldn't do it and focused on the reasons why she should. Sometimes God calls us by opening our eyes and sometimes God calls us by blinding us to those obstacles. Or maybe a better way of saying it is refocusing us on the things that really count and the things that really matter. At this point, you may be wondering what I feel called to do as a pastor. And let me tell you, I feel called to help you understand that you are called. My hope is that every single day that you come into this church, every single time you have a conversation with someone in this church, every single time you go to Montreat or a mission trip, every single time you gather around table with a church member, that somehow, some way, your eyes are being opened to something new that God is calling you to do. That your eyes are being opened to God's mission and God's ministry and God's will for your life. My calling is to help you know that you are called so that every single time we gather as a church family, you may hear God's will for all of us as a church and for each of us as God's children. To the glory of God. Amen.